News, laws, and regulations are changing by the day. We get it. And at ADP, we're here to help guide you with up-to-the-minute compliance expertise so you can pay your people accurately and on time, regardless of what each new day may bring. Learn more at ADP.com. This is David Prosper, host of The Leadership Revolution. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast from Public House Media. Welcome back once again to Caught Listening, the baseball podcast that goes beyond the white lines. Christian and I are here with you broadcasting as we do every single week as part of the Public House Media Network. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, share us with your friends and family and any baseball lovers you may know. You can find us on Spreaker.com, Stitcher.com, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, and Apple Play as well. And of course, you can visit publichousemedia.org. You can also be a part of the show if you would like by submitting show topic requests or questions for the show uh, by finding us on social media. Just search Caught Listening by Public House Media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can email the show, PHM at gmail.com. Last week, we had a great show. Really appreciate our time with Bob Kendrick, president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, but also a member of the board of directors for MLB Music City uh, and a group focused on bringing Major League Baseball to Nashville, part of a potential expansion. And again, a lot of this is all potential. It's all question marks. There's still a lot to be figured out. But it did raise an interesting question with some of you folks, obviously noting that if Nashville were to get a brand new expansion team, that would make 31 major league teams and we would have an off-balance schedule. So we would need a 32nd. So we started thinking, where could some other possibilities be? And that's what led us to this week. Where are some other potential places for Major League Baseball to possibly expand in the near future? Whether that means two years, five years, you know, six months, who knows how this could all work. One of the gentlemen who's going to help us talk about this is uh, Daniel R. Epstein. He writes for Baseball Prospectus, Baseball FYI, and Off the Bench Baseball. He's also the co-director of the Internet Baseball Writers Association of America, and we appreciate his time. He wrote on this subject back in February. So, Daniel, we really do appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I uh, appreciate the, uh, the chance to uh, speak with you about expansion. That's always a fun topic. Well, and it's amazing because it hasn't happened in 22 years um, for, for Major League Baseball, and there's been discussions about teams relocating. Um, there are certainly some areas where baseball probably major league baseball could probably be successful nashville in my opinion being one of those they've had great success with other sports teams but then of course with seattle being awarded a new nhl franchise um it just got kicked back up again so before we get into this where have your thoughts been on expansion is 30 or 32 38 you know what where do you think major league baseball could realistically expand in terms of number of teams uh, let's round it up to an even 100. I think that'd be fun. Um, I, no, seriously, though, I, I think 32 is a good number. It makes a lot of sense for just pure mathematical reasons. And like you said, we haven't had expansion in 22 years. It's been a long time coming. And we've never waited this long for expansion, in between expansions, since uh, the first expansion in, in 1961. Um, so in that sense, we're overdue. And I think that there's a lot of different ways in which that they could do that. But uh, we know that MLB is always trying to build new stadiums as well. And they're always trying to use the threat of moving a team to one of these desirable expansion locations as leverage uh, to try and, and get new stadiums out of 
the cities where these teams currently reside. The two biggest examples of that right now being Tampa Bay and Oakland, where they're trying to get new stadiums built and they're being met with resistance, which in my opinion is a good thing because it's not something that public taxpayers should have to spend a billion dollars to do. Um, but the, there's going to be, uh, I think that it's going to be difficult for them to do expansion before they get the stadium situations figured out with Tampa Bay and Oakland, uh, because they want to make sure that they have the best possible leverage to say, Oh, well, if you don't give uh, the Rays a new stadium, then they're moving to Montreal. So in order for them to do that, they can't put a team in Montreal first. Um, I think that that's kind of a weak argument for a lot of reasons. One is that there are several, there are plenty of different possible expansion sites. So let's say the Rays were to uh, move, let's say they were to put a, an expansion team in Montreal, which I think is, is probably one of the most likely locations for that. Then the Rays wouldn't be able to move there, obviously, but then they could threaten to move to Nashville or they could threaten to move to Portland or, um, or Las Vegas or, you know, lots of other places. So I think that uh, MLB using um, uh, withholding expansion for the sake of trying to get new stadiums, it, it doesn't quite add up to me. But nevertheless, that is sort of their prerogative. Um, and until they have that resolved, I don't think that they're going to give us expansion. Uh, I hope I'm wrong because expansion would be fun. An expansion draft would be a lot of fun. And I think that it would even things out a little bit more with the leagues uh, so that we don't always have to have a, a um, interleague series at all times, uh, which we do, you know, excepting 2020 because nothing is normal this year. But with 15 teams in the AL and 15 in the NL, there has to be an interleague series at all times. I don't, I'm not necessarily opposed to interleague, but um, it's just – an unnecessary constraint on the schedule and 16 in each league just makes a lot more sense. You, you bring up an interesting point there, Dana, because that's something that I don't think a lot of people realize and think of is because we have a lot of interleagues simply because of the odd number of teams in each league and something that this could happen. And this of course has led to the discussion of a universal DH, which again is in play this year um, and likely going to be in play very, very soon uh, in perpetuity for, for um, major league baseball. But the idea of 16 and 16 in each league could bring back the old days where interleague series were a special thing. It was something that you kind of looked forward to um, in, in a baseball season. Absolutely. I remember when interleague first started, obviously it was controversial. Anytime that baseball does anything new, it's always controversial. We're, we're very stuck. Uh, we're very rooted in tradition as baseball fans. But when we have, you know, the Yankees playing the Mets or the Cubs playing the White Sox, that's always going to be special. But when it's the Padres playing the Mariners, that's just not that special anymore. So we have to have interleague play all the time under a normal schedule just because everyone has to be in a series with someone. We just uh, always have um, all teams have to be somewhere. And with an odd number of teams in each league, by definition, you have to have an interleague series going at all times. So you're right. We do have a lot more interleague right now than probably is desirable. I mean, you'd probably rather see – 
your favorite team, whatever that may be, playing um, another team from your own division a little bit more often than you would like to see them in an interleague series. I mean, it's always fun, but if they reduced that a little bit, they'd be playing more meaningful games against um, opponents for playoff spots directly. And the interleague would go back to being a little bit more of a novelty. That's that's definitely part about this that is just so intriguing to me. So so let's get let's get into this because um, obviously we talked about Nashville last week on the show. Um, and before we talk about other c- scenarios, you've seen some of the stuff that's come out of there. You've seen what's been going on. Um, the the discussion who folks in Nashville have involved. Obviously, they have the AAA team, the Sounds. But your thoughts on Nashville as a major league city? I think it's very viable, and there are not many spots where you have teams in all the other major sports and not baseball. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of them off the top of my head, but I think it might just be Tennessee and I guess North Carolina. So right away, those two areas are, are extremely viable. Um, and, you know, I know I'm, I'm kind of lumping Tennessee together when really it's Memphis and Nashville are separate. But um, Nashville absolutely uh, has a great baseball history. It's a growing area. Um, and that would be a top tier expansion site. Um, I mentioned Montreal. I think that that makes the most sense as the, the first area where they'd want to put a new baseball team. Maybe that's the race. If they don't have uh, a new stadium when their lease runs out in, I think 2029, but, um, if not that, then almost certainly an expansion team would go there. I mean, it's the, Montreal is the largest, uh, uh, city in uh you know the united states and canada that doesn't have an mlb team and of course they used to uh, and we know that uh a lot of sports like to put teams in cities that they have recently abandoned so um, montreal I, I think would definitely have to get a new major league team at you know whenever they're going to move one or, or start a new one with expansion and they've got their own uh movement there to try and uh, get a, a, bit, a baseball team back. But like we said, expansion's going to have to come in pairs. You're obviously not just going to have one expansion team. So um, in addition to Montreal, you're going to have to have another city. Nashville is probably tied with a few other locations at the top of that list. I know Portland has already put a lot of effort into their pitch to try and get a team. Um, they've designed a stadium and everything. Uh, Las Vegas is always recruiting and uh, they have successfully recruited teams in the NHL and the NFL. Um, there's cases to be made for other places like San Antonio is a growing area, but I think the Astros would be able to block them with their territorial rights. So that could get complicated. Uh, you know, North Carolina, we, like we talked about, um, you know, there's a lot of different places that you could speculate on, but um you know, Nashville is right there among them. And it certainly helps. I mean, obviously, the the success they've seen with the Predators and how hockey has become, um, you know, many people wouldn't have thought hockey, as, uh, uh, Nashville is a hockey town. but um, And it's certainly grown in popularity from a tourist spot, which, of course, is huge um, on those type of things. You bring up Vegas, which is interesting, because and Portland, because we know from what Rob Manfred said back in 2018, preferring to have one in the Pacific and one in the Eastern time zones. Um, and so that obviously 
certainly helps there. But I want to focus in solely on Portland because they're an interesting situation. Obviously, they've done very, very well with the Portland Timbers, the MLS squad. The Trailblazers have been phenomenal there. The built-in rivalry almost instantly with Seattle, the history of baseball in the minor leagues in Portland. What about that area maybe makes a lot of sense? Well, first, let's talk about the Mariners, because the Mariners are the most remote Major League Baseball team from any other. And they have the most uh, daunting travel schedule in terms of uh, miles traveled in the air of any other MLB team. Uh, These things do make a difference. I think that they are kind of some of the, the more minor factors that are looked at by MLB when they talk about things, but it would make things a lot easier, not only for Mariners, but uh, for the rest of baseball, because, you know, scheduling, um, you know, a team to go play the Mariners, that can't be one of the more, the more favored road trips, nothing against the city of Seattle or the Mariners, but, you know, it's just not near anything else. It's not near any other teams. So kind of uh, having another team in the Pacific Northwest like that, then, you know, it makes having a road trip there easier. You could play the uh, Mariners and you can play the Portland team, which whatever that would end up being, um, instead of saying, well, we, we can play the Mariners. And then from there, if we want to play anything, the next closest team would be in the Bay Area, either the Giants or the A's. So I think that that is a factor that they look at as well. And like you said, Manfred talked about, um, you know, the East Coast and the West Coast. We'll see if, if that changes because, you know, uh, Nashville could will be viable as well. But Portland offers that relative proximity to Seattle that I think will be desirable. And I think that could be, um, something that they consider a little bit more than many of us realize. Because we'll talk about, you know, the other factors that they'll look at, like population and, uh, you know, the local economy and what kind of ballpark and downtown and funding for all that and TV and all, all of those factors, um, you know. Uh, and, and, and Montreal, of course, you know, they, they can sell cable rights in English and French. So that's a big factor. But, um, you know, they can travel is something that isn't looked at very heavily by a lot of us who are not involved in the game. But I suspect that it would be uh, a major part of Portland's pitch and uh, certainly a part that they would listen to because it would make life a little bit easier for the other uh, 2019s. You bring up an interesting point. Again, we're talking with Daniel R. Epstein here, a baseball writer for a, a various uh, this is baseball prospectus, baseball FYI, off the bench baseball, uh, also co-director of the international of the Internet Baseball Writers Association of America. Excuse me. Um, one of the things you know that's interesting here when we talk about Portland and when we talk about Vegas as well is just, or I should say, Nashville and Vegas is just how much the city is growing. You talked about yes, while travel would be huge for Portland, the economy and what's been going on. Vegas presents a very, very interesting scenario because, as you mentioned earlier, they brought in the Raiders, they brought in the Golden Knights, the NBA G League, and the NBA Summer League is there all the time. Not to mention they've had history of AAA baseball in Vegas, and it just seems as though things are trending more and more towards Vegas being one of those cities that eventually could have all four major sports there. Well, Vegas is an interesting situation because you look at most other major cities in America – 
And especially when you're talking about baseball, it feeds a lot off of the suburbs and the suburban audience surrounding those cities. Um, you know, Boston is not really that large of a city, but there's, they're, they're surrounded by a, a lot of people in the outlying areas who will commute to go to a Red Sox game. Same with a lot of cities in the Midwest, um, you know, Cincinnati or Cleveland or, um, you know, Milwaukee. Um, they survive not just on the size of the city itself and how many people there are going to attend a game or watch a game, but on how many people are in the outlying areas. Las Vegas it's a large city and there are, you know, some other towns, uh, towns, some other, uh, you know, places around Las Vegas that are pretty large as well with, you know, Henderson and North Las Vegas, but surrounding that is a lot of sand. So they don't have necessarily as large of a metropolitan area as some of these other uh, places we're talking about, like Nashville, like Portland. So, you know, I wonder if there's enough people in Las Vegas. And not only that, but it's also a very transient city. There's not, um, you know, that uh, generational staying power in Las Vegas where you've got people that have lived there for three, four, five generations like you have in most cities. Uh, there's a lot of people that move to Las Vegas, live there for five, ten years, and then don't stay. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that as well. But uh, I think that when you don't have that, um, that, that genera generational uh, roots and staying power in a city, it might be hard to generate uh, a rabid fan base or a highly interested fan base because if you move to Las Vegas from somewhere else, you might kind of retain your, your fanhood from wherever you come from, and then especially if you don't stay there. So that's, those are all factors as well that kind of make me – a little bit dubious of Las Vegas as a viable city for Major League Baseball. But then again, all the other sports seem to be moving there. So they, they certainly know a little bit more than I do. But um, I, I, I think that Major League Baseball, before it can consider Las Vegas a serious option, is going to be paying very close attention to uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Las Vegas Raiders, um, and, and, and seeing how these major league teams in other sports survive there, um, uh, not just in that first year, that first two years, but over, you know, a five year period when the novelty is worn off, are people still paying attention and going to the games and watching on TV? Definitely a, a lot to consider there. You mentioned Montreal, and I know Vancouver's also been tossed about. It's kind of similar to that Portland idea as well. Um, me personally, I'd just love to see Montreal back just because, I mean, I have an exposed shirt, so I would just love to actually use it um, and, and, and not be considered uh, nostalgic. But there's also been discussion randomly, and I, I know some of it has come from Manfred and some of it has just come from people throwing ideas at the wall, but Puerto Rico and or Mexico as options your your thoughts on on either of those two well i love the idea of thinking outside the box and certainly of expanding beyond uh the continental united states and canada uh, and i think that obviously when you're talking about central america baseball is enormous it's beloved um however in a lot of um central american countries, they already have 
a major league um, uh, type of, of league that, that they are very, very invested in. You know, the, the Mexican league, that is not um, like a developmental league or a minor league or anything like that by any stretch. That, is, you know, it is, has as much history just about as uh, Major League Baseball. And I think that if Major League Baseball were to put a team in Mexico, I, I wonder if it would have as much drawing power just because of the um, tradition and history of the teams that already exist in Mexico um, and, and whether or not that they would even want it. You know, we're making an assumption that Mexico would want this. They, they might be resistant to it because of what they already have there. I really don't know. That's all speculative. But you have to kind of look at the culture of what exists there with baseball. Um, there's also a travel factor. Uh, if you're going to put a team in Mexico City, that's considerably further away than any other baseball team, uh, which, like we talked about with Seattle, is definitely something they're going to consider. Uh, plus, Mexico City is, uh, I think, almost twice as high in elevation um, as, as Denver is. So, uh, with, you know, with air quality issues. So, I just think that, um, you know, we would see baseballs flying like crazy, uh, you know, uh, as if um, you put, um, you know, uh, a ballpark as small as Cincinnati uh, in place of Coors Field, um, that, that you might see some very, very interesting baseball in terms of the actual play. So uh, you could look at other cities in Mexico, like uh, Monterey, um, you know, whether or not the economy would be able to support it. Uh, that's a question as well. Uh, if you look at Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico obviously, uh, you know, loves baseball. There's a, a, a tremendous um, history and passion for baseball across the uh, across Puerto Rico. Um, would the economy there support uh, a major league baseball team because the, you know their economy is uh, is, is struggling um, and it's certainly been struggling, especially in the last several years. So I I think it would be difficult um, to try and make as much money as MLB teams are accustomed to. I could be wrong. But uh, you also have to look at the, the population as well, because the population of Puerto Rico as a whole, um, you know, is going to be smaller than some other metropolitan areas that uh, would be vying for a team, you know, including their outlying suburbs and everything. And obviously, being an island, you can't have someone commute to Puerto Rico to go see a baseball game uh, unless they're there on vacation already. And, uh, you know, that includes the entire population of Puerto Rico, where we know that if you're putting a team in San Juan, people from other areas of Puerto Rico aren't necessarily going to be able to just drive over to San Juan to see a ball game. So there's a lot of factors at play there that would, um, would raise questions about viability in either Mexico City or Puerto Rico. Not saying it can't happen or that it wouldn't happen or that they wouldn't be great sources of, 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 um, of, of places where you could put a baseball team. But there are more questions there that would have to be answered than there would be in other locations, I think. Yeah, travel definitely be a big issue with that, um, which is why if, if it does go outside the United States, in my opinion, I think it's Montreal. It just makes more sense uh, that way. So um, before we let you go, Daniel, let's get into what kind of makes this really interesting here. 
and that is divisional alignment uh, and, and whatnot. Instead of having three teams or three divisions of five teams, you could have two divisions of eight teams. You could have four divisions of four teams. Um, what do you think is the more likely scenario if and when we get to expansion to, let's say, 32 teams and you have 16 in both the American and National League? Well, first, when you're talking about divisions and alignment, you really have to look back at baseball history. And we have really had all manner of divisions uh, for really the first half of baseball history up through 1960. You had eight teams in each league, no divisions whatsoever. Then you had expansion and you still did not have divisions. There were 10 teams in the American League and 10 teams in the National League. And then they expanded again and split into East and West and you know, there's been, and then again in the 90s when we split into three divisions, you had the AL West with only four teams for a little while. So we have really had divisions with as little as four and as many as 10, and literally every number in between across the history of baseball. So there is precedent for absolutely anything that they would want to do. And that's the thing about 32 is that you can divide it up so many ways. If I were to say what my favorite would be, I'd like to have uh, either four divisions of four in each league or two divisions of eight. And you could obviously have division winners make the playoffs and then any number of wild card teams. We'll see how many, uh, how, how many playoff teams that they want to have. This year, uh, pretty much everybody makes the playoffs, and we'll, we'll see how that manifests itself in the future, especially if and when they expand. Um, another option that would make sense is just say, you know what, let's just put everybody together. Let's just put everyone together in one league, just have one 16-team division and, and let them duke it out. I mean, why not? You know, one thing that we've learned about baseball in 2020 uh, is that nothing is really sacred anymore. You know, we've learned that we can change a lot on the fly and that really it's still baseball and the world isn't going to end. You know, I remember back uh, in, you know, when I was a kid uh, and looking at it in the 90s, I think I was a teenager, and the Brewers did the unthinkable and switched leagues from the AL to the NL. And I was, right, yeah. you know, being a, a, a purist, I was freaking out. I was like, what's going to happen to Robin Yount? Well, it turns out Robin Yount still exists. You know, he still has his 3,000 hits and his, his two MVPs, and that history didn't erase itself. And we're really seeing um, this year with seven-inning games and doubleheaders, um, the, ex the massive expansion of the playoffs, runners on second and extra innings. You don't have to like all these things, and I certainly don't like all these things. Some of them I, I have more of a stomach for than others, but in the end, it's still baseball. We're still watching um, and we're still enjoying it at least while we can. And ultimately, whatever they decide to do as far as alignment or playoffs, we might have different opinions on it. But to me, it just doesn't move the needle uh, because we're still playing baseball. And, uh, you know, th th that's still going to get our, our eyeballs in the end. He's Daniel R. Epstein. He, you can find his stuff uh, on a number of places. Check out Baseball Prospectus, Baseball FYI, or Off the Bench Baseball. He's also the co-director of the Internet Baseball Writers Association of America. Dan, we appreciate the time. If you could, real quick, give people how they can maybe follow you on social media and see some of your latest stuff. Absolutely. They can follow me on Twitter. My, my uh, Twitter handle is at DEpstein1983. That's D-E-P-S-T-E-I-N-1983. 
Daniel, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see what happens in the coming years with the potential for expansion in Major League Baseball. Thank you. I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Oh, oh.